So I think we talked a little bit about last time that, and we may not have, but I have anxiety pretty bad. Once that anxiety flywheel starts to spin, my imagination is very vivid. Always goes to the worst case scenario. It never goes to best case scenario. Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness, to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, podcasters, if you're like me, you love hosting your show, but get discouraged by the time it takes to produce and market the final product. Turn to Podcast Media Machine, the number one solution for podcast design, production, content creation, and management. Visit podcastmediamachine.com. That's podcastmediamachine.com. Now back to our show. Hey, everybody, it's Scott, of course, your host to Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. I have with me today, Jeff Forrester. He's been on before, and we've had such great conversations. We want to continue him on because we know that the things that we are going through as men are definitely things other people are going through. So we're just going to chat, and you're going to get a lot out of this podcast. But first, an ad from one of our sponsors, Hey, podcasters, if you're like me, you love hosting your show, but get discouraged by the time it takes to produce and market the final product. Turn to Podcast Media Machine, the number one solution for podcast design, production, content creation, and management. Visit podcastmediamachine.com. That's podcastmediamachine.com. Now back to our show. Jeff, how you doing, my brother? I'm good. How are you? Loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a loaded question. I know for me in Florida, it's in the fifties today. So oh my it, gosh, you must it be freezing. feels like it's the Arctic tundra out there. Yeah, it was 32 when I went to walk, actually 31 when I went to walk this morning. So we go from like, this is the, the part, weird Texas thing. North Texas is we go from, you know, seventies, eighties, 90 degrees to then all of a sudden it's going to be 30 and the highs are 40. <laughs> so you and I are both freezing. Yeah. I see you're wearing well, a hoodie. So, yeah. I think the big question that I got to ask is, are, did you wear the same shoe this morning? <laughs> uh, if you guys didn't see that, I, uh, I was out, I do a morning walk really early in the morning. I try not to turn on lights, you know, and I do my gratitude practice and prayer and, you know, a, a worship and a lot of things that I do in the morning to kind of set my brain right. And I'm out walking and it's frosting, of course, and one foot is wet. I'm like, well, this sucks. My, my waterproof walking shoes aren't working except for one. It's just one foot. It's too dark. I'm not looking like, and then later I'm like, this, this walks just feels a little weird. And these shoes are completely different. These styles of shoes. So finally the sun rises and I look down at myself and I'm like, yeah, I didn't take a picture of this because I am wearing one of my dry weather shoes and my waterproof shoe. And, um, yeah, so now I put away the dry weather shoes because it's always frosty in the morning. I'm like, I can't have that happen again because they're, they got a thick sole. So I was like on different levels too. It was very, very good. But I thought it was a great analogy to how some of our days start, right? I was really thinking the exact morning. same thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it really like my whole lesson on, on it was, is like, are you going to make this a bad day or just a one little thing that you can like say, okay, what can I learn from this and move on? And I, I did a post recently about climate versus weather. And, you know, um, so kind of 
really work on what your climate is. Are you a warm person? Are you a positive person? Are you, you know, are you a leader? What is it? Kind of, and then do your best to set your climate. And then you're going to have weather events. And those weather events are when things don't go your way. You don't act the way that you are in alignment with your climate, if you will. So I'm starting to really look at my life as a, like trying to establish my climate. And so, um, yeah, just another thing that I was kind of thinking a lot about. Yeah. And it's important because you've got to analyze yourself. You got to figure out where, you know, what, what do you do the best in? And they make not just climates, but like the sleep number bed is where you can adjust things to fit you. That's Mm -hmm. different And you know, your wife may have one thing that she needs and you have something else that you need, but you can still be in the same bed and that's okay. Right. Yeah. for, For me, that's at least what's important because we're all different people. I mean, that's the challenge of marriage. You're, you're living in the house with a completely different person. <laughs> Isn't that true? And, and that's a really good analogy. I think of my eight sleep bed. I don't know if you've heard of eight sleep, but it's like a, an AI bed that runs heat and cool on mm. based on your biodynamics. So your, your bio read feedback, it'll, it'll go cooler or warmer. I don't know which one it is in your REM sleep and, and adjust through the night and you wake up warm. Now my wife likes to set it like at plus nine when she's going to bed, which is like blazing hot. And I'm like at negative four. It's so funny, but it's like this water cooled mattress. It's insane. But what I love about that is that it's always changing. It's always shifting based on the feedback. And I think that's another thing we can think about is like, what is our, what, what are our surroundings? What kind of feedback are we getting from our wives? What kind of feedback are we getting from our coworkers, our friends, our community? And then how do we need to adjust our own climate to make sure that we are doing the best we can for ourselves, but also understanding. And you said, you know, kind of evaluating yourself. I think that's a big thing, like this self-reflection and self-evaluation. I call it like an, an audit. I do like a daily audit and a weekly audit. Like, you know, what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? How am I acting that I shouldn't be acting? And how can I adjust and do better next week or next, tomorrow or whatever? What do you do to kind of keep yourself in line? So I learned, we used to, I avoided everything that made me uncomfortable. I avoided <laughs> anything that I was afraid of or embarrassed about. And then back in 2019, I read Can't Hurt Me by David yep. Goggins, <clears throat> which bestseller, tons of people have read that book. And I try to do the mirror practice. Oh, yeah. Or, I look at myself in the mirror and I, I challenge myself and I've done it so much that I don't have to look in the mirror as much that I've, I've learned how to be honest with myself and self-evaluate. And then I do post-it notes. So as things pop up that I may be um, working on, I put it on a post-it note and I see it. I look at it. So I think we talked a little bit about last time that, and we may not have, but I have anxiety pretty bad and I once that anxiety flywheel starts to spin, my imagination is very vivid and it always goes to the worst case scenario. It never goes to best case scenario. Um, uh, yeah. And so I, I just have to remind hour. myself. Yeah. I was up for an hour last night with that. It, it, it hits me in the middle of the night, almost nightly. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a serious thing. So keep going. Cause I want to hear what you do. Yeah. So I just ride myself. So like, for instance, here, is I have a couple of things, right? I have it on my bathroom mirror and then I have it posted by my computer. So I I constantly see it. And so I'm a big believer that the conscious brain programs the subconscious brain, which creates habits. Yep. 
So I have God designed you for this. So that way, when I'm having those imposter syndrome, self-defeating thoughts, I remind myself that I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I have, for anxiety, Jesus is in your boat. So that way I can remember that he can just, it, it in moments notice, tell the winds and the seas to calm down. Um, I have give like the widow <laughs> and just be honest and sincere and give everything that I have and then count to three. That's a simple one. <laughs> when again, that flywheel starts to spin, it's just take a breath and count to three. I don't even have to count to 10. Um, and that's really, really helped me over the past several months. That's good. So I have a very similar pro product or uh, process. Um, I have an app called things three and it takes a lot of work to set it up. It takes a lot of work to really understand how it works. But every morning I have my affirmations that I read. So um, very similar but those change very frequently based on like what currently is going on. And I also have goals and I have weekly, weekly um, like adjustments I need to make. So it's very similar. It's, but I like that you have it in multiple places. <laughs> and what I've started to do some things that I need continual reminders of me for me is I, I print out bigger things and put them up on the wall in front of me when I'm working. And so I have reminders that pop up on my phone and it's part of my morning process to read those out loud. And then I'm also starting to do some visuals through the day. Um, that anxiety, I don't know that I've coined it as anxiety. I've had some serious anxiety in the past, but like literally waking up every night and it's when I remember all the things that aren't going right. And my brain, that sub, it's that sub subconscious thing. So I'm working really hard on, on that. I'm currently reading a book called, um, F your feelings, which I was really uh, hesitant to get, but there's so much in there about um, biology and the subconscious and some things. So I'm learning a ton about that because in the day, Jeff, in the day, I'm, I'm ready to roll. I can get hit. I can get a, a cancellation by a customer or whatever. I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I got this. I'll make a sale. And, and, but in the middle of the night, man, that is, that is a, a really bad thing. And I get anxious and my brain goes all in the wrong areas. When does yours normally hit you? There's no rhyme or reason. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's, I had, I'll, I'll share an example. So, um, I had a lot of stuff going on and I didn't realize how the little things had started to compound. And I volunteer for the concession stand at my son's high school for the football games. And I'd had some interactions with, um, a business partner. And I even realized my responses were weird. And it, because it wasn't how I normally would respond. But I was getting very frustrated, very short, quick with um, just not me responses. So I started thinking something different. Well, I'm in the concession stand, and he's sending me text messages. And I'm reading the text messages. And all of a sudden, I was trying to count money. I couldn't count. Yep. I had a handful of fives and a handful of ones, and I'm looking at them, and I, I, I literally couldn't count the money. I saw five and one, but I couldn't like add more than two together. And I hand the money to my wife. I was like, I can't count this. I got to go flip hamburgers. And she's like, what's the matter? I was like, I have no idea. And again, my brain went to, I probably have a brain tumor. 
because I can't <laughs> wow. count. Like something yeah. so dramatic had happened, which I, I'm pride myself on being able to do simple math. And then I get home and I'm in the closet or in the, the garage and I just break down. And I realized mm-hmm. that I must have just had an anxiety attack. And I'd never had something yeah. like that before where, I mean, just all these faculties just shut down. And I um, left a voice message for uh, my business partner and just, I broke down in the message. I'm like, I'm going to bed. I'll talk to you in the morning. I apologize. I just read through all the messages that I'd responded to you and none of that sounded normal. And, um, and just opened up and went to bed and felt a ton better. And honestly, after that breaking point and realizing what had happened and what I allowed to happen, that I've been much, much better. Like I haven't had those situations. And for me, I just gave it all to God because I realized mm-hmm. I had just fallen into the vacuum of trying to do everything myself. And I couldn't, like I, st- I had stopped asking for help. I had stopped communicating with my wife, the things that were worrying me and bothering me because I was trying to be, you know, the man of the house and the provider. Yeah. Yeah. It- <sighs> It's an incredible the ways that our anxiety or responses to situations really kind of take over. Um, I'd never had experienced what I thought was a panic attack. And then I, there was uh, a series of like a couple weeks where I just start like having trouble breathing and I'd start sweating. I was like, what in the world is going on? And um, I was able to get that under control. I don't remember how, but about a year ago, I was on a flight. I was watching a movie and it was fight scene. And literally, I was like, all of a sudden, I noticed that I was breathing really hard. Like I was struggling to breathe. And literally, my um, my shirt, I noticed that, that I literally had, like I'd been working out for an hour. My chest was soaking wet, like literally a V of sweat, um, visible. And drips were just coming off of my forehead. And uh, I was immediately nauseous. And I was like, what? And this was kind of COVID was kind of clearing up. I'm like, people are going to think I have COVID like, and I, and that even caused it even worse. So I was able to kind of gather myself and walk to the bathroom. And it was in there. I realized I'm, I had a panic attack. I literally had a panic and man, that is frightening and crazy. And, um, I've also had times when my mental faculties just shut off like you, like I can't do this task. Like, I feel like I don't go to the, I'm dying of a brain tumor, but I'm like, what is wrong with me and get really stressed. And then that, um, elevates and starts to kind of compound on itself. So I've learned, um, a lot of things. I'm learning a lot of things right now. Um, mostly, you know, breathing, some breathing patterns, some posturing, because I have a really poor posture, uh, due to some physiological things, but um, posture is a huge thing. And then, um, that gratitude in the morning is really what grounds me when I start, but, but those immediate responses, like, how do I control this? Because we're, what happens is we go into that reptilian brain, right? We go into the, like, everything is taken over and we kind of go into It's not fight or flight necessarily all the time, but it's like shutting down and everything's being controlled by these really short term you know, um, these short-term fixes that really don't make sense. (laughs) So 
I think this is real. I think it's good that we're talking about this because I think people listening to this probably like, oh, I thought I was the only one or, you know, I didn't know other guys uh, dealt with this. And I think you and I, one thing that we're pretty clear on is we, we, we want to use our struggles to help other people. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a great book that I just finished in um, Resilient by John Eldridge. Oh yeah. It's really, really good. Um, And even if you're not focused on, on God or, or, or Jesus, you could, you should still read the book. I mean, it's a faith-based book, but he brings so many things into awareness because he wrote it during COVID Mm -hmm. and he just talks about how depleted we all are because of the crisis. We were in a crisis before because we were moving so fast as a society. We were all so busy. So we were probably only running on about 30% optimum levels. And then all of a sudden we get smacked with an emergency, which depletes us. And so we're depleted. And now we don't know how to regain the, the, the fullness that we had because it's been so long since we've had it. So what happens when another emergency comes across, you can't count money in a concession stand. Right. And it's all these things that he talks about and gives you actual practices of how to refill yourself, how to reconnect and how to, to gain more resiliency. Cause we throw that around, but I know I didn't really know how to do it. And I'm still trying to learn how to be resilient because it's not just bite your bottom lip and grit it and get through it. There's a lot more to that because we have a lot more that people are asking of us as, as fathers, as dads, as friends, as business people, there's a lot coming at us at once. There is, there is, there's just, there is a lot of pressure. And I've noticed that I spent so much time reading books that people were suggesting to me. Right. And so and I think a lot of people get caught up in this. If they're reading books or listening to podcasts, like what is the next person saying I need to do, especially business entrepreneurial type folks are like, Oh, I need to read, you know, the pumpkin plan, or I need to read e-myth or I need to read whatever it is at the moment. And um, so I used to do that and I was just boom, 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 boom. But what I realized is I was, these were all band-aids until I fixed some major things. And so once I kind of like, wait a minute, I need to stop this and find out at this moment, what is the biggest thing really going on right now? And so like for me, that was a real turning point when I read um, The Obstacles the Way by Ryan Holiday. Just the fact of I need to start looking at things differently, not as catastrophical, but as opportunities. And so I listened to that like six times and I bought the book and read it. And um, I kept doing that until I got to the place where I was practicing well. And then I went to the next thing. And then I went to the next thing. And um, then I stopped because, and this is important, I think important for people to understand is you're going to need to master some things before you move on and keep just jamming your brain full. But you need to be very mindful of where you're at and where that focus needs to be. And right now I'm reading this um, F Your Feelings, if you will. And uh, it was, it's exactly what I need. And so that's my challenge to men. Like, hey, look, if and so for, for when you tell me the John Eldridge book, I write it down because I know there's going to be a time when I need it. And it's probably pretty soon, but I know there's going to be a time when I need it. So don't just jump into the next thing. You got to listen to this podcast. You got to do this, capture that stuff, write it down, put it where you will not forget it. 
and then go back to your list of resources. I have a list of resources, probably 15, 20 books and probably 20 podcasts deep. But when I go back, I'm like, where am I at in my life right now? What will capture me the most interest and the most useful at this point? And that's where I've made the biggest gains, like the hugest gains. And then the other thing, you know, Jeff, like talking to men like you, like guys are here listening to us talk. Probably if they're still with us, it's because they've experienced some of these things and they need to hear other guys talking about it and knowing. So, so the book resilient, I'm doing it with uh, about five or six other guys yeah. and we talk about it. We pick a chapter, but not pick a chapter. We read, we try to focus on a chapter a week. So it was 10 chapters and you can listen to it or you can read it. And then we come and we break down the chapter and we get tactical with it and we try to figure out how do we, exactly. how do we become resilient? What did that mean to you? What did that jump out in your life and start applying it? And I know for me is I need a community around because I, I can live in a vacuum. And like you said, as I'll read and I love it, I highlight it and then it goes on my shelf and then that's kind of where it stays. But if I start talking to people, my application goes up probably 10 X just because I talked to somebody about it and I thought about it and heard their perspective of it. So that's what's great about your community that you've put together on Facebook is you've got thousands of people to be able to interact with and share your thoughts and mm -hmm. ask people, Hey, raise your hand. Who wants to hop on a zoom and talk about a book, whatever book it, that it is. And, um, I, you know, that's just, I encourage people to do that more because it's the, it's that the, the single cowboy riding off into the sunset is a terrible lie put on us by Hollywood. Yeah, it, it is. This is, this is a very strong passion of mine. I mean, it's like, you know, I've already, I think I texted you last week. I have an event. I want you to come. I don't know if I did or not. I tried you to did. hit yep. the main people. I have an event because I want to be so intentional about getting men together. You know, it's like, okay, there's this thing in March. Come with me. And, and look, you know, I know not everybody can come when every, I do my beck and call, but um, I'm like, even was it yesterday? I was like, I need to be around more men sooner. And so I was like, I either can, you know, do the online thing, or I can maybe create another event. Like I'm like, I'm, I need to do a get together. It's always money. That's the, that's the thing. But like, the fact is, is that, um, my, I'm, I'm working to be incredibly intentional about who I physically spend time with. And so that does include, that does mean I probably need to do travel or other people need to travel. And for me, I'm like, you know what? It's totally worth it. I can, I can do this because, uh, I know the growth potential in that. And I know that this is an investment and like, even if it's tough on my family, the fact is, is I come back better and more prepared. So I'm serving them better. And so, um, this has just been my like really big focus. We had the big event last year or this year, I guess it was, and we have it lined up for, um, 2023, which is going to be, I should call it the bigger event this year. Um, not because of more people, just because of the, the lineup is insanely cool. And we're doing more of the amazing stuff we did last time. And you know what I learned and anyway, um, so there's going to be a strong focus from me moving forward and, and doing some more of those things. Uh, but you have, it sounds like you have some local guys or do you meet with these guys online or what's your current status? 
So I have a hybrid. So this resilient book club, so to speak, it's a Zoom meeting. And we've mm-hmm. met every just about every single Wednesday since 2020. Wow. And we do we started with Eldridge's book, uh, Walking with God, and we've done different books. And then we did um, we broke down certain books of the Bible. So we've gone through a lot of these. And for the longest time, I'd never met any of them ever in person. And we just had a great bond. And then I also have a men's Bible study that I go to on Thursday mornings. And that as much as I love Zoom and we all agree that it's a wonderful thing to do and to have, it does not take the place of coming together in the same room with people and having discussion. There's just nope. there's no substitution for that. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And you were talking about getting together and you were talking about really the silence in like in the evenings or at night. And that's when a lot of people have challenges. I did an event back in October of 2021 called 29029. Have you heard of that? Mm -mm. So that's an endurance event where Jesse Itzler and a few other guys, Colin O'Brady, they rent out a mountain. And then you hike up the mountain and then ride the gondola down a certain number of laps until you reach the elevation of Mount Everest. So it's 29,000 and 29 feet. And you have 36 hours to do it in. It's not a race. It's just an event. So I did the event in Vermont, in Stratton Mountain. And you start on a Friday at 6 a.m. and you finish um, Saturday at 6 p.m. is when the whistle blows and you're done. And you can take as long as you want, but once 36 hours is up, you're done. And the only thing that you win is a red hat. (laughs) And it really, it rips you apart, not just physically, because it doesn't sound like it's bad hiking up the mountain. And I found out it's a double black diamond. I'm not a skier. So the last three tenths of a mile, there's like 700 feet of elevation gain. Yeah, I've skied Um, it. So it's like straight up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was breaking it down with a friend of mine and she was talking about some of the struggles that she had. And I remembered I had this whole plan to listen to podcasts, to all like listen to books. And cause I was going to be out there for 36 hours or so. Mm-hmm. I didn't listen to anything. Like I just didn't even feel like putting anything in my ears. And what was amazing about that, that came to my realization is that silence reveals weakness. And when you put yourself in silence, everything comes out that you've tried to avoid and stay busy with during the day. And I know that was a critical turning point in my life where I always had to have noise. Like I always had to have a TV. I had to have a radio. I had to have something because I just didn't like the thoughts that would pop up in my head if Mm -hmm. it was quiet. And now that I've overcome those, I could go all day and never turn on a TV ever. Um, And I actually enjoy just going outside when it was quiet. So the dog this morning got me up at 4.20 and I went outside and it was such an absolute calm. Like it almost made me tear up because it was just so peaceful. Like I heard no cars. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear anything in the background. I lived next to Disney. So there's always some kind of commotion going on, but there was like nothing. Like I didn't feel any frequency reverberations, nothing. And it was such a wonderful feeling to have that I would encourage people to find that silence. And 
if you're facing the things that you don't want to, that's when you enlist help from other people. Yep. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. The, the walking in silence, I was trying to kind of um, last week, somebody reached out to me. He's like, hey, you know, I think he said you support a lot of people. Does anybody support you? And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, and he's like, and and he said, well, how about in business? I'm like, well, that that's a little place where I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. And he said, let's hop on. And his, he's like, I, I get really tactical and I'm not going to get tactical. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go for a really long walk on Saturday and you're not going to have any distractions, not, nothing in your ears, nothing. And I did that. And it was very, very, it was incredible. It was, it was, um, and I do, I do a walk every morning without distractions, but it was more the intentionality different, right? It was different. And, um, and, and just be alone with your thoughts. And that is such a powerful thing. I think every man needs to do, but they're really scared to do. It's scary. You know, anxiety comes in, the what ifs come in, all of the things that you've done wrong come in. Um, you know, that subconscious, all that stuff is kind of just starts to kind of creep in. And at least that's kind of some of mine, but then there's some real clarity and we have to learn how to live in that silence. We have to learn how to live in that peace. And um, I really suggest guys get out early in the morning like I do. And I walk until the sun comes up. So, you know, I'm out in pure dark and then I'm experiencing that, that exposure to light really early, which I know has some amazing physiological effects. I know that's not possible for everybody based on their work schedule or whatever, but if it is, if you can make that happen, it's an incredible asset to your day. It's really, really powerful. Kind of like what you experienced this morning. Yeah, for sure. And it's the, the thing that you were talking about being prepared goes back to your affirmations to know how to fight through when the, the negative thoughts start coming up, not that mm -hmm. you're going to avoid them, but how do you overcome them and having just quick little phrases that will help you because the voices are, it's a trap. It's a trap yeah. that you just can't be baited, baited into going into that you'll spiral out. I mean, there's things that you need to address if those thoughts are coming up overall, though, don't get baited to believe them because right. that's, they're just imagined and they're thought. And, and if they're real, then give yourself grace, forgive yourself and then move past it. Yeah, I think, and this takes practice gentlemen and women who are listening. This takes practice. It takes intentionality. It takes time. It's so worth it. It is so worth it. Um, you'll find that the rest of your life kind of, kind of starts to flow quite a bit better and you start to operate better for your family, better for your, your friends, um, your, your brain just goes in a different, a different frequency. So, um, I want to switch gears. This, we could probably talk about this the whole time, but <laughs> I think pe people are understanding that we're, we're here to be vulnerable so that we can help others learn. And, um, I don't want to skip the topic that we want to talk about. So, uh, hopefully guys hang in there. If, if you're, an entrepreneur or life hasn't gone quite the way you kind of expected it financially, you want to hang on to this one because we're going to talk through some things that, you know, both of us have and are going through that I think are more normal than most people would want to admit. And so um, how did this come up? How did this topic that we're going to introduce come up? I, we were talking after we recorded last time or something to that nature. Yeah. And we were talking about just the, the adventure that we're both on in 2022 and spending all of our savings, but yeah. every dollar was worth it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 
just so you all know, you know, I've been an entrepreneur. I, I've worked in the public sector as an educator, but since 2012, I've been, you know, put everything on the line and just everything rises and falls on what I can earn. And so um, if you have done that, you're going to probably really resonate with a lot of what we talked about. If you haven't, you might be curious about it and have some fears that are stopping you. And so, you know, that that's a really good reason to listen here. But just a quick backdrop on my story. When I quit teaching and went to be an entrepreneur, um, I had a, you know, somewhat of a pension built up or whatever you call it per in Oregon. It was called PERS. It was money that was sitting there. Um, and I had, an, uh, um, you know, the typical, what is it? One, I, I can't even, 401k and uh, actually multiples of those. And um, I was just kind of living that regular life, like where you put money away for this retirement. But what I learned about myself, Jeff, was the fact that um, I didn't want to like live for retirement. That didn't compute well with me. Like, why am I saving all of this money to just give up one day and then go travel or, or do yard work all day? Like that never sat well with me ever. It's never been a vision for me. And, um, and then there became some times when things got rough. And so basically over the last, whatever it's 10 years, 12 years, whatever it's been, I have slowly depleted every single thing that I have. I have no four. I have a small 401k right now. And I have um, my, I cash out my purse cause there was no reason to keep that. And then, um, any other savings is gone. It's been in building businesses. It's been in, you know, handling emergencies and it's the price you pay when you kind of go out on your own. But, um, I have peace in it, which is really, really interesting. And it sounds like you're kind of in the same situation. Yeah. So in, I've been in healthcare sales last 22 years and then in December was laid off and it was a blessing because I'd always, anybody that's been in pharmaceuticals or healthcare sales, it's an expand and contract industry because they have forecasters in New Jersey that say, we're supposed to make this much. So they add this many people, share a voice. Then they realize they don't need that share of voice and then they lay off. So it's this constant just fluctuation. And I remember that every time we would get that phone call that I was just sick to my stomach. I was afraid. I didn't know what would happen. Well, this time I was so happy that mm. it had happened. Got the call, was laid off and um, I didn't want to go back. <laughs> I, you know, I had been in this whole W2 cycle forever and I was raised in an entrepreneurial family. My dad had his own toy store. My grandparents had owned their own car dealerships. So all these different things that I had seen, but I had this fear of what would happen because I saw the struggle because it's not pretty. Entrepreneurship <laughs> is not Grant Cardone lifestyle. It's just not. It can be eventually, but most of the time, for most people, it's not. Um, and so that's the side that I always saw. So I wanted this picture of safety. So I was laid off and I was trying to decide what to do next. And I had written a book in COVID that encapsulated a lot of the things that I had learned over the years and had experienced with firsthand um, knowledge in leading teams, but then developing people and seeing how to get the most out of somebody. 
And so I just have all, I love helping people. I really enjoy helping people. So I thought, well, let me start a coaching business. And I had started once before, didn't really know what I was doing, still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I just had this, this moment where I was laying on the couch and I was just thinking, you know, what, what do I do next? I had a, a job um, interview lined up, ready to go, good money, perfect, um, but I didn't want to do it. And so I had this thought of, okay, which one's going to require me to have more faith in God to provide? Is it going to be going out on my own or this company? I was like, well, the answer is pretty easy. <laughs> and so then the next thought I had was the the story of the the rich young ruler where, you know, the, the guy's like, okay, I've got all this money. I've got all this stuff. And he goes to Jesus and he's like, good master. I've done all these wonderful things. Now what next? And Jesus in his just best way possible, he just said, sell everything and follow me. Mm -hmm. The guy was like, yeah, I thought you were going to say that, but I'm out. And um, there was just, there were tears in that, that man's eyes because he knew what he was choosing at that moment. And that was something that came through me. I didn't feel like I needed to sell everything, but I needed to do and have more faith and um, went and went on a run, reinforced that. And I came back and I talked to my wife because I knew it had to be an us decision yeah. And not a me decision because that would have created massive tension and friction and strife in the family if she wasn't on board because I'm the sole breadwinner. So it's not like we have anything to fall back on, nothing. And uh, so we had a conversation. So she kind of took a, a deep breath. This was in the morning over breakfast. And I said, look, let's just both think about it. And if we do it, we're, we have to give ourselves a year, at least a year to do it. And so I had had the privilege to be able to have actual cash savings that would get us through a year without impacting our lifestyle a whole lot, along with the 401ks and some of the other things that you had shared as well. Um, and so that night we made the decision to go that route and talk about excited, man, that first day I was riding high. Cause I also decided to get my real estate license. Cause I thought that would be a great way to augment while I'm trying to build this coaching business to be able to um, sell some homes and I had a, a good network and a good sphere. Well, my timing might not have been the best. <laughs> so in <laughs> one of the most volatile real estate markets in history was, is what I was entering. Well, now you look at it six months later, it's completely flipped upside down on its head. Inflation. It costs the most to live in the past 40 years in 2020, 2022. Um, but, and then through it, we just talked about anxiety. We talked about all these different things and I've virtually earned no money this year. Mm. And I started thinking when I had that anxiety attack, I was ready. I was done. I was, it was over. And this was, this is why I love my wife so much. She's like, uh-uh, you said a year, we still got some months left. And so we figured out what we needed to do to uh, to make it to the end of the year. And without her and without the community of friends around me, I would have quit, man. It was hard. Like I was at the bottom again. Um, and then where we were talking the last time, I look back, though, every single dollar was worth, worth it all because I gained so much information about myself that I never would have 
if I hadn't have made that kind of investment. And if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, I need you to invest six figures into your self-development. <laughs> I would have went, you are absolutely on drugs. Yeah. There's no way I'm going to do it. Now I look back at it and that's exactly what I've done. Mm -hmm. And so I'm better for, I'm better for guys like you, my dog that just barked. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm better for my kids. I'm better for my wife. And so that's why I look at it. And again, I need money. So, you know, but I'm getting some momentum now, which is great because yeah. I've, I've realized that I was fighting against it. And the biggest thing that I learned that helped justify all the money is I quit believing in myself that I was on the path that I was supposed to be on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, and that's tough, but I, I kind of felt the same way. Like every single thing decision I've made has led me further into personal growth. That is invaluable. The, 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 the stress, the experience of, um, of not having like a nest egg or, or a backup plan, and really seeing what I'm made of and what I can do. And, you know, there's been times when I've been backed against the wall and I've made it work. And so there's this testing that happens like, okay, I, I can make things happen when I have to make things happen. And, um, but it, it goes against the grain of everything our society tells you. You need to have a lot of savings in place. You need to have an exit plan and, Several things were, were key for me. I read a book called Killing Sacred Cows, and that's about how the typical, um, how the typical like savings plans and retirement plans and everything were built out and how they are not built in your favor. Absolutely 100% not built in your favor. So like, look, if you totally disagree with me and you have a million dollars in your 401k, like, just don't, don't judge me. Like read the book and decide for yourself or just live in whatever um, reality you're living in, which may be truth for yourself. I'm not judging. But for me to fall into this category of doing what, you know, your college professor and financial advisors tell you to do um, blindly is not something that I'm cool with at all. In fact, I'm very un unhappy in that place where, you know, I'm putting money away for later because guys like, look, you want to live now. Like why, why stop living now to live later? We don't have tomorrow guaranteed by, and you can be smart and do things with money that makes sense and protect your family, which I am working really hard on doing and putting some protections in place and some things in place. If I go away, they're taken care of, but the traditional route for me, that was step one, like stepping out of that traditional. And then I'm like, wow, I'm glad I took my money out of my 401k or whatever that. And, um, and, and kind of understanding, like, you can pivot this into other ways that kind of act as a bank for you and allow you opportunities to build a business and and some other things. So that was step one, was killing sacred cows. Step two was John Maxwell saying, um, no finish line. And I was, he was on a podcast with Ed Milet, and he was talking, and I, I've told this story like eight times on this podcast, so I might have told it to you. But he's like, you know, I had this jar of marbles of how many days left I had to work. I was going to kind of step away and stop leading the company. We got plenty of people that can do it. And this is recently. And he's like, he literally kept pulling the, 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 the marbles out. And then the last day came and people are like, how do you feel? And he goes, it feels like I've lost my marbles. I have no, per like I am not designed not to work. 
and quite literally, I have no marbles left. So he's kind of like, in, not in his words, but it's screw this. Like, I don't have a finish line. Why would I have a finish line? I love what I'm doing. And I have designed a life for myself. And that's where I see, like, so having money in the bank in a traditional sense to me makes no sense and makes no alignment with my future. And of course, I've had to work through that with my wife and now she's really on board and we have these plans in place and are doing things strategically. But it's very, it's seen from the outside as very, very risky. Um, and, and, and it's hard not to listen to those wavelengths of people, you know, like that's, that's, that's the stupidest thing you've ever done. And I'm like, you know what? God always provides. I, that's just like you. It's like, Hey, like I just bought this business and then it, it like, this is real guys. I just bought this business and it started to tank and all the money that was going to go to pay for the business is no longer there. And now there's debt. And it's like, well, awesome. And the truth is, is because of that, I have been in massive hustle mode and up, uh, you know, started, stood up a whole nother business that just kind of propped out of nowhere that's covering everything, right? And it's not paying off that other business I bought that's still not paying itself off. But it doesn't matter because I know I have it within me to do what I need to do to get to that place. And sure, it's scary as hell, man. It's really scary at times. So have you gotten any kickback for your decisions? Um, like negative kickbacks? Mm-hmm. No. Nobody said myself. Like yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. And, and again, that's where... I look at it as if it was a family decision. So when I made yeah. the announcement that, it, you know, on social media, when I told everybody else, it was we've decided, my mm -hmm. family and I have decided. And what it's done, and um, I know you have a son older than mine, but I have a 14-year-old son and a 12-year-old daughter. So my daughter is not as um, into the decision as my son was right. just from an age perspective. But it has opened so many unbelievable conversations with him mm -hmm. that I do wish my dad at 14 would have started having some of these real world conversations because he'd see me make a really good living, which impacted his living every day. And so all of a sudden he is asking me, so have you sold a house? Do you have any coaching clients? And I was like, Nope, not yet. <clears throat> and so I noticed he kept asking more frequently because we would be coming home from football practice and those were wonderful times because I'm looking forward, he's looking forward. So it removed a lot of the uncomfortableness for him to ask. And I'm really trying to make sure that he always feels comfortable to ask questions. So he kept asking these money questions. And so I looked at him, I was like, are you worried? And he said, yeah. I'm worried that punched me in the stomach mm -hmm. um, for a couple reasons. One is I hadn't had the success that I had hoped financially B I hadn't been really involving him as much as I should on the things that I was learning throughout the process. So he saw the value and where we were at and then C of just seeing the value of him asking me that question of being open and comfortable enough with me to not go to bed with that and be constant in me adding to his anxiety. And so it really, it, it did tear me up a little bit to, mm -hmm. to hear that. Um, but then it gave me the ability to just openly share 
not the specifics of our finances because he's 14, but right. all the, but the big picture of look, buddy, I, and your mom, we're not going to do anything that's going to put you or your sister in jeopardy. We're not about to lose the house. We're not about to do, you know, not have to do anything that's going to over overall impact you whatsoever. And so I could tell that was relief. And so now what it's created is not a concern with him, but a value proposition where he looks at things and he's like, holy smokes, we can get a large pizza for 20 bucks or we can all get this, this and this. So he's like thinking differently Mm -hmm. about things and putting a value because what happens is we get lulled into, at least I did, I won't say we, I got lulled into this comfort of being able to afford just about anything on the small ticket items that I wanted. Yeah. Well, times are different. (laughs) And so you have to think differently. And I'm glad because I actually was reinforcing a bad message for him that you can get anything you want just about any time you want it. And you might have to do a little bit of work for dad or mom to get it. Mm -hmm. And that's not the reality for 90% of the people. Yeah. I've lived pretty openly with my boys. They're older now. So, you know, when things are tight, I tell them, hey, it's tight. I'm struggling. I'm doing everything I can to make things work. And then when things are good, I'm like, hey, things are good right now. But that doesn't mean they're always going to be good because there's a lot of ebb and flow here. And they're learning so much. And there's opportunities that pop up in those when they watch the industriousness, not being, you know, penny pinchers, but being industrious. Like, okay, we don't say we can't afford this. We say, how can we afford it? Because I want to provide an amazing life for them. So, okay. You know, this band season is going to cost us probably about three grand, four grand all in all, Corbin, like to my 14 year old. So we're not saying how can we afford the, or you know, what, what can we do to afford this? And so he sees that process and he's I'm like, okay, I made five extra sales. We're good. We're covered, you know, and I'm starting to kind of see this. My 18 year old went with us for a band competition last month or it's this month. We're in a store. And he comes up to me, he's like, Hey, he's got these two fleece sweatshirts. And I'm like, those are interesting. And he's like, yeah, they're, they're a special edition, um, park service sweatshirt. And I'm like, okay, great. You have two of them. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I looked them up and, um, they're selling for $500 each because they're not available anywhere. And there's a whole rack of them sitting there. And I'm like, really? I'm like, so I look it up. Like, There's none on eBay. One sold last week for $500. Okay. And then I look online and there's one listing and it's like 500 bucks for these. I'm like, what are you going to do? He's like, I think I'm going to buy a few. I'm like, okay. So just that industrious, like, not that we need to, you know, just seeing opportunity and that when you're up against the wall or you're, you're, you are responsible, you got to kill what you eat. That's going to trickle down. And so when you're at a nine to five or you're in a sales job and you're making bank and nothing is, seems hard, you're really quite frankly, possibly, um, unless you're intentionally doing some teachings about it, you're robbing your kids of some, some opportunity. I'm not saying like have tough times, but I'm saying talk to them through about opportunity and let them understand how to, how to see opportunity and how to grab a hold of it and take a risk. My son's like, gosh, I, this is, these are a hundred bucks each dad. I'm like, yeah, plus tax. And he's like, so if I don't sell them, I'm out 200 bucks. I'm like, that's entrepreneurship. 
that's, that's, you, you don't make gain without sacrifice. He's like, and, and so he's like, well, they said I could re return them in the Dallas store, which is closer to us. Um, I'm like, well, there you go. You got a guarantee actually now you just got an hour drive or whatever it is. And so, um, sure enough, he sold them both, but, uh, those opportunities don't come unless they see you start to think industriously and you talk about those things, talk through it, you know? Um, and so sometimes that means being, um, quite, quite open and, and you're, you're kind of opening your armor. Um, and that can make a big impact on your kids. So I see yeah, and, it completely. And you don't necessarily have to risk it all like you and I did. And there's ways that if you have that good, steady nine to five to still have these conversations, because you have oh, to yeah. make good decisions for your family as well. You don't want to risk them living in the car. Um, but there's always opportunities that you can, if you've learned things through in your business to coach them up, if you've built a highly successful business, involve them, teach them. And that's a valuable commodity that you don't see a lot because you get at least I would get caught up in the busyness of my corporate job and, and just do it. I just did it. It was like cruise yeah. control. And all my kids knew is I was either on the phone or in front of the computer, but I never took a chance to talk to them about team building and looking at when you're, you know, in charge of hundreds of millions of dollars of sales, what does that mean? You know, you've got 78 people that report to you. How do you handle that? What, you know, what do you think? Now, at the time I was doing all of that, they were like nine and six. So right. they wouldn't have had the same understanding that they do now. And so I can't lose some of, you know, the lessons that I had before, but it's all applicable now. And I had a huge win yesterday, Scott, big, biggest win as a dad and as a coach. So I do my best to not coach my kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I try to use a realistic approach. And um, so I've partnered up with a company called Highlight, where we coach teens and young adults, which is a very unique niche. And it's not as easy as, as coaching business people. No. And so um, I'm going to do um, a, a coaching group for the football team to raise money. And specifically just because I, I know that will help them talk to recruiters, but then just talk to them in life and, and different elements. So he was asking me, we were driving, he was asking me questions about it. And so I never pushed it on him. I said, well, buddy, I'm going to try to do one of these for the football team in January. Would you be interested in doing it? He's like, yeah, because that sounds really interesting. And that was such a huge win for me Yeah, because for sure. I never wanted him to feel obligated to come into this group. I was hopeful that he wanted to, but then the whole time while he's asking me questions, I'm thinking, but am I shielding him too much and not even asking him if he wants to be involved? And so that's right. why, like, I never thought in a million years he would want to do it because I'm dad. Um, but when he's like, yeah, I think that would be good. That was, I came home and I told my wife, I was like, I had a huge win today. <laughs> yeah. That's a big win. Yeah. That's a big um, win. Yeah. I, I just, I think a, a good place to kind of stick a thumbtack in this is the, just the things that we do, whether they're seen as risky or going, going a little bit out of the limb and then living it out loud um, with your kids and letting them learn from your experiences are going to come back and really 
really sow some really great lessons for them and help them prepare for for um, adulthood. And that's really what we need to be doing. I tell men all the time, we're not, we should not be raising kids. Like that's what's gone wrong in the last 15 years is we've raised kids. So they're now adults that are kids. They're getting married way late. They're, they're expecting super high salaries for doing nothing, you know, and this is a blanket statement, but that's because we were raising kids. We were like, you know, treating them like kids and preparing them to continue their lives as kids. We need to be raising future adults future successful adults, people who understand how to problem solve, um, individuals who know how to battle tough decisions and, um, you know, be, re be resilient and, um, kid, uh, adults who know that they could lose their job and there's, you might have to get industrious and that nine to five dream job that everybody talked about may not be what suits you. Just like, you know, it happened for me. I'm like, this isn't the right path for me and for you, I'm not going to do this anymore. So that living with intentionality and, you know, risk is risk. And, and I think both of us are examples of that. If we're doing the right things, those risks tend to not always, but tend to turn into really good things, especially if we're being intentional about how we respond to those. Yeah. Sound about right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then surround yourself with people yeah. that know more about what you're getting ready to do. Yeah. And that, have your back and that you know that they sincerely want to see you be successful. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else you want to say before we close this one down? I don't know. I can't believe we just went an hour. I know. <laughs> I, by. I hope you guys, uh, you listeners glean some stuff from this. You know, one message I would say is do not think that public schools are going to prepare your kid. Even private schools are going to prepare your kids to be an adult. Don't, think that it's training them to have financial literacy. It absolutely is not. This is on you guys. This is a hundred percent on you. Don't live a numb life thinking that everything's taken care of when you pack them up at lunch and send them away. So, uh, you know, I, this isn't an anti-public school speech or anti-any school speech. This is a, you are really the real guide to your, your child's future as an adult. And um, the way you live will carry on. And the lessons you learn will carry on or they won't. And that's up to you. Uh, Jeff, tell us again about your book. I have it sitting on my nightstand. It's in my the order of things I'm reading. It's pretty high up there. But tell us about your book. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap up that way. Yeah, the book is Unleashed Potential. You can get it anywhere that you can buy books online. So Amazon has got a sweet deal, free shipping. Um, or if you want a signed copy, you can reach out. I'll give you my cell number. It's the easiest way to, to get me. It's 407-204-9978. Shoot me a text. I can send you a signed copy. Um, and then that's it. Awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on like always. I really, really enjoy talking with you. And I hope, I think that listeners enjoy the lessons they're learning from us. <laughs> I hope. Yeah, learn <laughs> Somebody as much as you is. can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening. You know the drill. Do the stuff. Subscribe, all the other goodies. And um, go buy some Bone Frog coffee because it's amazing. I had a whole pot this morning, and those guys are killer, and the product is incredible. And they sponsored our big event. And I really want them to sponsor our next big event in um, coming up in this June, June next year. So uh, shout out to those guys. They're doing amazing things. Have an amazing day. Thank <laughs> you.
Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.